but soft, what light through yonder window breaks? It is the east, and Juliet is the sun. Arise, fair sun, and kill the envious moon, who is already sick and pale with grief, that thou, her maid, art far more fair than she. William Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet. In honor of the annual celebration of love held every mid-February, a day full of flowers and chocolates, sweethearts, and bitter ones, I wanted to write a few carefully chosen words to my love. Now I am no sentimental romantic, and my sweetheart of a wife knows this and loves me nonetheless. In fact, for Valentine's Day a few years ago, her present to me was an edited copy of Air Force One, and it wasn't just chocolate that melted as we enjoyed a fondue dessert that evening. My darling dearest has so many things that make my heart melt and go all mushy inside. So in a spirit of mushiness, I have been researching classic romantic literature in my search for inspiration. I started with Shakespeare, but got nowhere with that. What light through yonder window breaks? Wait, who broke the window? Was Romeo throwing rocks to get her attention? Juliet is the sun? Ah, I think I get what's going on here. There was this one scene in Forever Young where Elijah Wood was similarly calling on a pretty little girl, but rather than serenading her with talk of the moon, he simply sang, You are my sunshine, my only sunshine, you make me happy when skies are gray. But rather than breaking her window with oversized rocks, he ended up waking up the father, who comes to the girl's window and asks, Is this some kind of prank? The boy adamantly defends his undying love for the lass, to which the father rolls his eyes and replies, Nat, go home. Now if this isn't what Shakespeare was going for, then I'm lost. But who am I kidding? I wouldn't have any better luck than Nat anyway, and I am usually lost when it comes to serenades and sonnets. But let's try another. My eyes want to kiss your face. I have no power over my eyes. They just want to kiss your face. I flow towards you out of my eyes. A fine heat trembles round your shoulders. It slowly dissolves your contours. Uh, we'll stop that one right there. My eyes want to kiss your face? What is that supposed to mean? And trembling hot shoulders? Slowly dissolving contours? I'm lost again. I picked that one for the author's last name, Schultz. How often do you see a last name with four consecutive consonants? <laughs> Reminds me of the only Czech expression that I can remember from my brief time studying the language. A saying made up of purely consonants. Roughly translated, this means stick your finger through your throat. An Eastern European pleasantry, I assume. But no, no. This author's attempt at love poetry isn't resonating with me. Strike two. Step up to the plate, I've got one more swing in me. Every kiss provokes another. Ah, in those earliest days of love, how naturally the kisses spring into life. How closely in their abundance are they pressed one against another, until lovers would find it as hard to count the kisses exchanged in an hour as to count the flowers in a meadow in May. 
Marcel Proust, Swan's Way. Now there are some words that I can relate to. There may be hope for me yet. This sounds kind of like Bill Cosby who described the earliest days of love that he shared with his girlfriend. Well, anyhow, I used to sit there and uh, we would do about three minutes worth of homework and then we would cuddle up and start kissing. Oh, we would kiss for 12 hours, man. Just kiss everywhere. Kiss on the sofa, move to the TV set, kiss up on the whatnot shelf, you know, underneath the refrigerator, all over the place. We're just kissing. You kiss so long until the inside of the mouth gets raw, you know, and your lips swell up and you say, listen, I think we better cut it out, all right? But tell you what, first one heals call, all right? One for three. That might get me onto a baseball batting lineup, but even Shaq can hit one for three from the charity stripe. Then again, maybe he can't. But I certainly don't want any hack-a-shack strategist to come up with a strike-a-mike defensive maneuver if I can't improve on a 33% shooting average. And if I can't bring my A-game romantically, my wife might start employing the strike-a-mike strategy as well. And I can't have that. So let's get away from poetry and turn to song lyrics. From Frank Sinatra, love is a many splendorous thing. It is the April rose that only grows in the early spring. Love is nature's way of giving a reason to be living, the golden crown that makes a man a king. Lost on a high and windy hill, in the morning mist two lovers kissed and the world stood still. When our fingers touch, my silent heart has taught us how to sing. Yes, true love is a many splendorous thing. Now that's not too bad. Love is nature's way of giving a reason to be living. Two lovers kissed and the world stood still. The golden crown that makes a man a king? Most of that resonates. But splendorous? I don't even think Webster can help me out there. Maybe sentimental, mushy words are not the way to go here. Maybe I need to broaden my research and have a go at romantic tales. As much as I enjoy writing fiction, my typical genre includes dragons, evil villains, and knights in shining armor. And knowing that I make a pretty poor knight in shining armor myself, I better stick to outsourced literature if I'm to have any luck with my valentine. So let's start with Disney. The basic formula is as follows. One, boy meets girl. Two, boy likes girl. Three, some obstacle comes between boy and girl, including, but not limited to, dragons masquerading as sinister witches, sorcerers with twisted goatees, brawny, muscular men who are about as white as an ocean and yet as shallow as a puddle, aptly named ugly stepmothers and sisters, and octopearls, Napoleon Dynamite's name for half-girl, half-octopuses that swim around with Messi. Four, boy overcomes said obstacle. Five, boy gets girl. As great as this formula is, there surely has to be a bit more depth to these tales than Disney lets on. There certainly was more depth to the story behind Lindsay and me. So I'm turning to Wikipedia to see what I can find. Let's see. Cinderella. Hold on a second. It says here that the earliest version of the story dates back to the 1st century BC. Hmm. 
the girl didn't like her stepmother. Okay, that jives. But it goes on to say that before she was given the nickname Cinderella, she might have been named Sinisterella. Hmm. As this charming golden-haired beauty actually killed her stepmother so that her father might marry the housekeeper instead. But she wasn't banking on the housekeeper's six daughters moving in or that never-ending chore list. Yeah, that version won't do. Let's fast forward a millennium, give or take a few centuries. The Grimm Brothers version. This ought to be good. Let's see. Uh, the ball, the glass slipper, some friendly birds. Now we're on to something. The prince arrives at the home with the other stepmother. The first stepsister tries on the slipper. So far, so good. And then the stepsister cuts off part of her heel to get the slipper to fit. The prince sweeps her off her feet, carries her to her carriage, and they drive off into the sunset. But those friendly birds intervene, calling the prince's attention to the blood dripping from the slip. Uh, let's skip that part. The prince returns to the farmstead. The second sister tries the same trick. This girl, too, is ratted out by the birds. And the prince returns one last time, recognizes Cinderella, whose foot does fit the slipper, and the two ride off to live happily ever after. As a punishment for the trickery, the birds end up pecking out the eyes of the stepsister. Uh, let's skip that part too. And just summarize by saying that these girls don't live quite so happily ever after. Whew, that was a doozy. Maybe we can do better than Cinderella. Let's try The Little Mermaid. My sisters love that one. And this one is Hans Christian Andersen, who cranked out The Ugly Duckling, Thumbelina, The Emperor's New Clothes. This one ought to be fine. Let's see. Girl meets boy. Girl can't have boy because he's human. She's half fish. Yada, yada, yada. She drinks a potion that allows her to come onto land to be with the handsome prince, but has the annoying side effect of making her feel like she is walking on knives at all times. Ouch. Girl learns that the prince of her dreams has just married some other girl. Girl's mer sisters offer her a knife with which to stab the prince, holy cow, to death. Girl decides to be a martyr and throws herself into the sea where her body dissolves into sea foam. Wow, we're really doing badly here. Uh, let's see, there's gotta be some romantic goal here. Just have to look harder. Snow White, the evil queen, wanted Snow White's heart, we know that. But she planned on doing what with it? Fast forwarding to the handsome prince's rescue, let's see. No kiss. I guess I can't blame him for not kissing the maiden. I wouldn't want to kiss a corpse either. But why did he carry her body back to the castle? And I guess the romance is lost when the kiss of a prince doesn't awaken the last, but rather the jostling of the horse that shakes loose that bit of poisonous apple. Rapunzel! Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair so that I can climb the golden stair. This is gotta be a winner. When the imposter mother learns of the wandering prince that has secretly been courting her tower-bound prisoner, she chops off the girl's hair, banishes her to a nearby desert, and waits for the prince to return. When the prince climbs the stolen tresses and comes face to face with the angry sorceress, he leaves from the tower in fear and despair at having lost his love 
and lands in a thorn bush. The hero is blinded by the thorns that pierce his eyes, and he wanders aimlessly through the land. Eventually, he stumbles his way into the desert and is reunited with his love after being drawn to her singing. Her tears of joy heal the sightless prince, and they do live happily ever after. Ah, Sleeping Beauty. On second thought, let's not even go there. Although the boy does get the girl in several of these tales, feeling more icky than mushy. At this point, maybe I could outdo the Brothers Grimm or even Hans himself in writing an endearing tale of love. And that's not saying much. I think I'll stick to formulaic Disney from here on out. Who cares about romantic depth? But there has to be something I can draw upon for inspiration on how to express my deep love for my love. Hold on, I think I've got it. Chick flick purists might scoff at my choice of inspiration, but it'll have to do. After all, the blockbuster movie Pearl Harbor was able to bring guys and girls together by combining mush with war action. I'm thinking of a musical entitled The Price of Freedom by Rob Gardner and McCain Davis. Now, I love Rob's music, as it has such a powerful effect as to draw me into the lives of those characters being portrayed. This musical is no different. It tells the story of several men, young men, who felt the call of God and country to go and fight for the freedoms being contested in the Second World War. The story that I'm thinking about is that of David and Arlene, a newlywed couple that is separated two weeks into their honeymoon by the call to arms. Since I have a penchant for messing up the mood, eradicating emotion, and spoiling the sentiment, I think I'll let this pair tell their own tale. In February of 1942, the love of my life went off to war. We'd been married only two weeks, and yet I could not imagine my life without him. When this you see, remember me. Though far apart, we now must be When I am where you cannot be Far away on the battlefield He gave me his grandfather's pocket watch and told me to keep it close to me it would be a reminder of the time when we could see each other again. As he held me, I remember thinking that my heart would burst. Oh, how we loved each other. Then he stepped on the train, my husband, a soldier, off to fight a war in a land neither of us had ever seen before. A war we did not start, but were called upon to finish. I was so afraid, and I missed him already. My dearest David, 
If your reaction to this news is anything like mine, perhaps you should sit down before reading on. David, you're going to be a father. Can you believe it? We're going to have a baby. But don't worry about me. I'm fine. Just take care of yourself and do come home. I should be there. I should be with her. She'll be afraid. She'll be alone. Oh, darling, pray that I come And I swear that I will be there. Can I do this on my own? While you are miles away. I never thought I'd be alone. When I dreamed about this day. be somehow you chance you don't return could I give him all he needs and teach him all he needs to learn does our sacrifice mean more if our child suffers too can I do this on my own can I do this Without you I hope you'll be just like his father I hope 
Arlene, my dearest, it's a miracle I'm alive to write this letter. For now, know that I am safe, and that God alone has brought me safely this far. Of that I'm sure. My darling, I love you. I think I can say my love for you has been pretty well tested. Goodbye for a while. We have packed a million parachutes. We rode them to the ground. We've landed in the pitch of night. Afraid to make a sound. We've bellied through the swamps and mud. And snake-infested brush. For days we did not eat or drink. And whispered in a hush. There is one consolation. Gather round now as I tell. When we die, we'll go to heaven. Cause we've done our time in hell. We have fought an angry battlefield and heard the cannons roar. We've crawled a bloody battlefield and watched the bullets soar while mothers knelt and prayed at home to keep them safe from harm. Their sons were dying in the fields. Cradled in our arms They have gone to meet their maker We can hear the tolling bell They are on their way to heaven While we all remain in hell our cares will stand at last inspection on the shining golden stairs then we'll hear that soft reminder of the spirit whisper
to say before I see you. You may not know the man you find. You see, my darling, war has changed me. The scenes are ghosts inside my mind. I have to tell you, I won't blame you. If you can't love me anymore, I've done some things you can't imagine. I'm not the man I was before. But still I dream of you And my love for you goes on And when I close my eyes I still hold you Promise me you will come home. Sometimes I dream that you're beside me, but then I wake to find you're gone. Our son has never known his father. Sometimes I fear he never. Of all you give me, each day I love you greater still because of you. My life knew no more winter when you were here. The nighttime seemed as bright as day, and in your I knew no fear at all, for you were there, and all my cares were gone. Because of you, I have a dream to hold to. Because of you, I never feel I'm here alone, for you are there in everything I do. All because of you. Because of you, I have a reason to go on. Though every breath I take reminds me that you're gone. Because of you, I have the strength to make it through. For when I close my eyes, all I can see. Because of you, the sun shone ever brighter. Because of you, I rose to meet each breaking dawn. It seemed as though my dreams had all come true. Life was a dream, and all because of you. Because. 
a love story that I can latch on to. Why? I certainly have no aspirations to go fight no war, although I would answer the call of my god and my country. But hearing a love story like this, I pray that I never have to. Yesterday, my love gave birth to our little joy, a beautiful baby boy. And unlike David, I was able to stand beside her, holding her hand in mine, and to then hold that sweet angel of a child in my arms. Rather than me off fighting some bloody war, it has been my sweetheart that has fought the good fight, a nine month long one with ups and downs, joys and pains. And as I've witnessed her strength and spirit, I've wondered more than once if she could have done it without me all along. That's an easy one to answer, because my darling is strong beyond measure and full of the love of Christ. But I thank God that she didn't have to. I had the privilege of standing by her side, and I still have that privilege to join her in raising our three beautiful children. That is a true gift, the golden crown that makes me a king. But unfortunately, because of my humanity and my weaknesses, I'm not always there by her side. There are days when I, like David and the other paratroopers, am on my belly, crawling through swamps and mud in the pitch of night, too terrified to make a sound. As I traverse these angry battlefields, cannons roaring, bullets spurring, blood everywhere, I, like Nephi in the Book of Mormon, must ask myself, why should I yield to sin because of my flesh? Why should I give way to temptations that the evil one have place in my heart to destroy my peace and afflict my soul? Why am I angry because of my memory? As imperfect humans, we all have weaknesses, and we all need the atonement of Jesus Christ to bind up our war wounds and to heal our infirmities. But my weaknesses seem so damning at times. They cause me, like Nephi, to say, O oh, wretched man that I am! Yea, my heart sorroweth because of my flesh. My soul grieveth because of mine iniquities. As I yield to the natural man, I literally separate myself from my sweetheart and my beautiful children. 
I go off to fight a spiritual war that I can and will win, but it's one of my own making, and it's up to me to determine how far off the estate and for me, this day will be celebrated far more loudly and widely than either VE Day or VJ Day. For it won't be the day in which my enemy surrenders. It will be the day in which I surrender fully my will to my Savior and allow Him to provide the true victory over Satan. Then, when the final taps have sounded, and I stand at last inspection on the shiny golden stairs, alongside my helpmate and my faithful children, we will all hear that soft reminder of the Spirit tell, Be at ease, young faithful soldiers, because you've done your time in hell. Far from hell, every minute I spend with my beloved and my family, is truly a stolen glimpse of heaven. I just have to choose to lead the battle and to join the Lottie ranks on the home front as we fortify our defenses and stand ready to fight for our family, our liberties, and our God. Now that is a battle that is worth fighting. So as I lead the fight to other natural men, I, like David, turn my gaze homeward, and yes, the scenes are ghosts inside my mind, there to remind me of where I've been and where I'm going. Like David, I have done some awful things, be those sins of commission or sins of omission, and I thank my God for repentance and the atonement. And I thank my darling for forgiveness and for the hope of our eternal lives. David and Arlene also had a mutual hope for their tender love. And they each sang about the role of their beloved in the safe and secure return home from the battle fray. Because of you, I have a dream to hold to. Because of you, I never fear I'm here alone. I have a reason to go on. I have the strength to make it through. My life has found its meaning. Because of you, I want for nothing more in life. I'll find the strength to somehow see this through. I will hold on. And all because of you. So now, my research complete, my inspiration found, I finally have the words to speak to my Valentine, my hope, my constant, and my best friend. Lindsay, darling, because of you, I have learned who I am and who I can be. Because of you, I have the strongest desire to never again choose the natural man and leave your side to fight a war that I started, although one that I was called upon by you to finish. Because of you, I have three beautiful babies that bring such joy into my life. 
Because of you, I have a bright hope for the future and for the eternities. Because of you, I have grown strong and confident in my faith. Because of you, I know what heaven looks like. And because of you, I don't have to wait until death to visit it. So maybe there is something to all of this romantic rush as I find myself smiling and wiping a tear from my eye. How do I love thee? I'm not going to even try to count the ways. But I do love thee with the breath, smiles, tears of all my life. And if God and we choose, I shall but love thee better after death.